Father, we pray this morning that you will infuse us with your great love. Father, that you would change us from the inside out. Father, that you would touch our hearts. Father, that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity. That you would open our ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts, Father. Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive from you everything that you have for us today. That we would walk away from this, this service this morning changed because we've encountered you. And God, you have done something inside of our hearts to change us, to draw us into a deeper relationship with you. That you would wash over the woundedness or the pain or whatever may be in our lives, God, and that you would bring your health and healing and wholeness to our lives so we may walk in the fullness of life that Christ came to give. And so we pray all these things with expectation, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You may be seated. Warrior youth, you guys are welcome to go back. And Chris, thank you so much for leading us this morning. Thank you. Amen. I'm starting off today's lesson with a question, and I'm going to close with the same question. And the question that I'm beginning with this morning is, how can we live the blessed life? This morning, it's really on my heart just to share some things. So this is going to be a little bit different service than what we normally have. It's going to be more of a sharing of my heart and less of a sermon this morning. I have two things that I really want to talk about. Uh, those of you that were here last week, you know that a group of men went to a men's conference in Dallas, and last week several of the men shared their hearts. And I think it's really, really important that we hear from the men of our church because they are the leaders of our homes. They are the leaders in the church. They are the leaders in the community. And so I want to talk a little bit about uh, men, our, our role as men, because the, the guys got to share last week, and I didn't get to share very much, so today's my time. But I want to talk a little bit about that, and then also as we're wrapping up this series, The Blessed Life. Have you guys enjoyed that? Did you enjoy that series? Wow, I'm telling you, it was life-changing. I think it was really powerful. So we're wrapping up this series this week, so I want to talk a little bit about that. But my first point this morning is, men, take your role seriously. And last week, as I mentioned, we heard from several of the men, and they shared, men are called to lead. We're designed to lead in the church, in our homes, in our communities. And their responsibility, our responsibility to lead is designed by God. It doesn't mean that men have greater value or they're more important or anything like that. It's simply a matter of our role to lead as men. And we're wired to lead our family. It doesn't matter if we lead or if we abdicate that to our wives or someone else. We're still going to be held accountable. And so we want to make sure that we're leading our, our families well, that we're leading strong. And I'm not talking about being a dictator and, and lording it over our wives or children, but I'm talking about loving our wives as Christ loved the church. I'm talking about loving one another as Christ loves us. And so, men, we're going to be held accountable. How are we leading our family? So I, I want you to think about some of these questions that I'm, I'm presenting to you today. Now, let me be clear. Women can and, and are often leaders, too. Uh, those of you who know Christine know that she's a strong woman. And, and she's a great leader. She has a lot of skills. And there are a number of you in this room that are strong women. 
And uh, so that just requires us men to be strong men, okay? But again, it's, it's about love. It's about fulfilling our role. And too many times through divorce, women are, are forced into a role that's designed for a husband and wife, for a mom and a dad. Now, let me be clear about marriage. A man and a woman, okay? Just so there's no ambiguity there. But too many times through divorce, women are forced into a role where, where they're having to try to fulfill both roles. And they're not designed for that. This is, I believe, one of the reasons that God hates divorce. And there are a number of you in here that, that have been divorced. And, you know, I'm not condemning you for that. I'm, I'm just saying that the consequences of that can be devastating. Maybe you've come from a divorced home. And, and you know the pain and, and, uh, and, and maybe feeling rejected as a child or maybe feeling as a child like it was your fault when, when it really wasn't. And so divorce, God hates divorce. And I think because of the outfall from that that happens in so many lives, we can't do anything to change the past. However, we can pick up the pieces and move forward. We can begin to, to allow God's word to recalibrate our lives and come into alignment with his word. And we can take our roles seriously, and we can begin to allow God to work in our lives to lead us as we recalibrate and place our lives and our families back into order. And let me say this, too. I believe that men are responsible a lot of times for divorce in the family because they haven't taken their leadership role. And let me have a ta moment. If you're new to Life Fellowship, ta stands for transparent, authentic, and honest. And so I want to have a ta moment here. I'm very, very confident. Well, let me start off by saying this. Christine and I have been married for almost 32 years, but I'm very confident that we probably would not still be married if we didn't have Christ in the center of our marriage and if we weren't totally committed. When we got married, we determined that divorce was not an option. And I think it's those two things that have, have helped us sustain the longevity of our marriage. You know, being married is, is a challenge especially when you're married to a strong woman. And Christine would say, especially when you're married to a strong man. But you know what? We can work together and we can take those strengths that we have and we can become greater and stronger if we realize that we're not working against one another, if we're not pulling apart, but we're working together. Do you remember last week when I had all the men from the church come up and they all stood across the front? And that was one visual that I thought was really good. But when we linked arms, there's a whole different dynamic when we link arms together. When we move forward as, as a team, as men in the church or, or as a family together, we're moving forward. So it's really important that we're in unity and that we're moving forward together in the things of God. That we're putting aside sometimes our own preferences and preferring one another. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. But we want to work together. We want to allow God his place and his presence in our lives. And men, I want to challenge you to take your leadership role. Again, it doesn't mean that you're more valuable or more important than the woman. You just have a, separate, a different role. And you're wired to lead. You're wired to lead your family. On the second Tuesday of the month, we have Mighty Men in Life. So I, I want you guys to come. Last, last week, we had, I think, 16 or 17 men. And the women's group meet the first Tuesday of the month. And uh, so, women, you need to come to that. You're talking about things that are relevant to what you're going through and dealing with these strong men that you're married to and those kinds of things. 
But so the first Tuesday of the month is the women's group, and the second Tuesday of the month is the, the men's group. And it seems like if you look in churches, I don't really see that in life fellowship, but if you look in a lot of churches, you'll see a lot more women than men. And a lot of times you'll see that the men are missing in the church, a place that they, they should be taking their rightful role and position and leading their family. They're absent a lot of times. A lot of times, I don't know, maybe it's just the different dynamics of women, but it seems to be much easier to get a women's group together. Uh, Pastor Robert Morris was talking about the, the women's group at Gateway, and I mean, you just mentioned, and they're flocking to the, the conferences, right? But for men, you have, to, you have to have big toys and events and food and stuff like that to get them to show up. I have a question for you. Now, if I've already told you what the answer is, I don't want you to answer, okay? But I have a question for you, and I want you to respond. How many churches do you think have a men's group? What percentage of churches in America do you think have a men's group? Come on. 50. 50? Okay. What else? 75. Would you believe that it's about 10%? Oh. About 10% of churches have a men's group. And I think that part of the reason is, is because it's hard to get men to show up. It's hard to motivate them. It's hard to get men to open up and connect. It's much easier for women for some reason. All that to say that, men, I want you to, to begin to really look at your role as the leader in the home and what God has called you to do. I think that when we look across a lot of churches, the reason that we see so many women involved in ministry and in the church is because men have defaulted in their role to take the lead. And... There's a saying that as the head goes, so goes the rest of the body. And so men, as the leaders of the home, we need to be leading our family. It's important. It's important to our sons and daughters. It's important to our marriages. It's important to the people around us. It's important to us that we're filled with the things of God and that we're leading strongly and leading godly. I want to have another Ta moment. It was a few months back. I really felt like the Lord was speaking to me about relaunching the men's ministry and to uh, place more emphasis on building and preparing and training and equipping men. And I have to be honest with you, I debated. I didn't want to do it. I was like, God, I don't need another ministry to head up and oversee and, and, and try to drive. And, and uh, I was just praying, God, bring somebody that really has a heart and passion for that. And I'll just give it to them. But the Lord spanked me. He, he really spoke to me. And uh, he said, I want you to pour into the individuals that have responded to the men's and women's groups. Pour into those who are committed. Because the Lord wants, us, wants a good return on our investment. He wants us to pour into people. And I see so many of you that are hungry for God and just wanting more of him. Those are the people that I want to pour into. Those are the people that are going to bring a good reward. That are looking for the things of God that are open and receptive to him. And so the Lord really kind of spanked me that day for not wanting to do the men's group and told me that developing men to be godly leaders of their homes is critical. It's critical for families and for the success of the huge vision that the Lord has called Life Fellowship to. So it's all part of it. Man, I'm telling you that uh, they say that Young girls are looking to their fathers as an example. And a lot of times when they're looking for a boyfriend or a husband, they're going to be looking for someone like their dad. What examples are you setting? 
what, what kind of role model are you? How are, they, how are they seeing you treat your wife? Because maybe if they see, see a wife that's treated really well, they're going to say, hey, listen, that's how I'm supposed to be treated. And they're going to go into relationships looking to be treated properly. How do you want your daughters to be treated? Respectfully? Lovingly? Kind? And consequently, our sons, what, what examples do they see? Do they see a missing in action dad that, that's aloof and disconnected from the family? It doesn't have a relationship with her children? Or do they see a, a father that loves them and encourages them and strengthens them and teaches them and shows them that it's okay to lose, it's okay to win? The thing is, we're, we're wired to, to move forward. And, and sometimes, you know, I don't agree with these things where everybody gets a, a, a plaque or everybody gets a, a coupon or, you know, or one of those things that says, oh, we're all winners. Listen, the, the facts are there are winners and there are losers. And it's important that we understand how to lose to help us know how to win. And they, we learn that through our, through our dads a lot of times. And so it's important that we're pouring into our children. It's important that we're pouring into our wives. It's important that we're pouring into our families. And we're leading the way as men, setting the example. The Lord really dealt with me about that. And I said, you know what, God? If there's only one man that comes to me, I'm going to pour into them. And we're going to build relationships. We're going to work on being trained, equipped, and ready and prepared to lead uh, I guess it's April the 14th at 7 o'clock. I want you to put that in your calendars. I want you here, man. April the 14th at 7 o'clock. Join us as we get trained and equipped to be the men of God that God has called us to be. So my first point this morning is, men, take your role seriously. My second point this morning is, your leadership matters. And as I just shared, your children are looking to you. Not only your children, but your nephews and nieces Maybe even your aunts and uncles, the, the people in the neighborhood, the people in your community. What kind of life are we exampling? Are we living it? Are we exampling the love of Christ? When people look at our lives, do they say, I want what they have because they've got something that's true. They have something that's real. They have something that's authentic. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Do you really love people? Has God worked in your heart? Is he working in your heart to draw you closer to him and where you're really reaching out to others and loving them and sharing the love of Christ? Your leadership matters. And I shared this, these statistics, I think, last week, but I, we have a slide, and I, and I want you to get this. If a child gets saved first in the family, there's a 3.5% chance the remaining family will get saved. If a child gets saved first, and we want to see children saved. And, and the teachers back there are doing some amazing things with our children. They're learning the word of God. And uh, the, the second thing is, if a mom gets saved first in a family, there's a 17% chance the remaining family will get saved. But if a dad gets saved first, 93%, there's a 93% chance that the rest of the family will get saved. That's important, guys. So we need to take our rightful role in leading our family, leading our children. And I want to read a, a, just a, a few passages of Scripture this morning. Again, this is a little atypical for us. Normally, we, we have a lot more Scripture. But I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And, and this is some Scriptures that I shared with the men 
last week. And uh, it's Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, and, and he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. So Paul is writing this from prison. And he's saying, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Live a life worthy of the calling that God has called you to, because you have been called by God. And let me pause here for a moment. I'm, I'm, we're going to be starting a new series next week that's called from, uh, Reje Rejection to Redemption, and that's going to take us through the resurrection weekend. But after that, I'm really praying about doing a series in a few weeks, starting um, in a few weeks, teaching on the gifts from the Holy Spirit that will help us understand why God gives spiritual gifts and how to use our spiritual gifts and to help us discover what our spiritual gifts are. I want you to know what the Lord has called you to. I've had conversations with people, and they're like, well, I really don't know what my giftings are. Listen, if we don't know what our giftings are, how can we really follow that, and how can we really uh, shine in that area of our life if we don't really know? So I want you to know what the Lord has called you to so you can walk worthy of his calling for your life. I think it's interesting that we're called the body of Christ because we're not all little fingers or thumbs or index fingers or elbows. And when I look at the palette of just live fellowship, I see a beautiful picture being painted. I see a, a beautiful puzzle being put together of all the pieces in which we're all a part of. And it's interesting how God is bringing the right piece at the right time. Oh, God, we need a little... A piece of the sky up here, or we need some water, or we need whatever. And God is bringing those pieces at the right time. And it's amazing to see how God is painting this whole picture for us. And so it's important that we understand what his calling is. Now, there are a couple of, a couple of different ways to look at this. And there are general callings. Um, God desires that everyone is saved and that everyone have a personal relationship with Jesus that we're all committed followers of Christ. So there's a general calling for all of us, but then there are specific callings. And my calling is to lead and feed life fellowship. And your calling, your role is going to look different. But as we all work together, and as we all fulfill the role and design plan that God has for us, it all works together. And much like our body, can you imagine if your elbow said, well, I'm not bending this way anymore. I'm not going to do this. Or your leg decided, maybe some of you have had those problems where your leg doesn't want to move or your arm doesn't want to work or maybe your brain isn't functioning properly. But when we're all working together, look at the things that we can do. Think back again last week to when all the men came up here and they linked arms. Think of the power in that that we can move forward as a group. So when we're working together in tandem as the body of Christ, then we can fulfill the individual purpose and plan that God has for us, but also the greater purpose to reach these communities, to share the love of Christ, to impact the world around us. So let me read verse 1 again. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. God has called you, and God is equipping us and stretching us and expanding us for greater capacity for him. Am I the only one going through some stretching here? Come on, man. God has taken me and stretching me, and it's not comfortable, but I know it's, it's important because 
with the capacity that limits God, he will not be able to do all the things that he wants to do through my life if I'm not ready, if I'm not able. I'm not trying to say God is limited, but we can limit what God can do through our lives if we can't handle the capacity that he has for us. James 1 says, count it all joy when you have trials and tribulations. For the testing of your faith builds your patience or perseverance. And when your patience or perseverance is complete, then you are complete, lacking nothing. It doesn't say if you go through trials and tribulations. It says when you go through those. Because God has a great purpose and plan for you. And he wants you to be able to have the capacity to handle what he has for you. God has a great plan for you. He has a huge vision for this church. And it's going to take strong, mature, committed believers to fulfill that plan that he has for us. And in the end, we get to see God do amazing things through our lives. We get to be a part of that. And one day we'll stand in heaven and, and maybe there will be people come up and say, I want to thank you because you, you preached in Africa or you gave money to support this this initiative or whatever. And I'm here today in heaven because of that. That's the kind of impact that we get to have, not only locally and regionally, but globally. And so this little church is already having an impact across the globe. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Dads, you have been called by God to lead Verse 2, always be humble and gentle, period. Let's stop here for a moment. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You ever put up with stuff because you love somebody? Husbands and wives, look at me. Don't look away. Don't look at your spouse right now. I know you do. And Paul said, I prefer others. And he wasn't talking about compromise. He was talking about due to loving others and sharing the gospel of Christ with them. It didn't always have to be his way. Does it always have to be your way? Come on. We need to love one another. We need to make allowance for each other's faults. I know we all have them. Come on. And if you look in the mirror, you've got some faults too. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So I want to ask you some questions, and I want you just to answer these quietly to yourself. Are you humble? Are you kind and gentle? If you don't know, your spouse can help you with these, these questions afterwards, all right? Do you love others enough to prefer them? Do you always require that others adapt to your way? So here's my three points this morning. Men, take your role seriously. Men, your leadership matters. And truly have a relationship with God and love one another. You know, we talk about our mission statement here at Life Fellowship is to develop, maintain, and model what personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And as we connect with him on a greater level, it helps us in all these other areas. God will speak to us. He will give us insight and wisdom on how to lead our families, on decisions that we need to make, how to uh, handle situations in our job, all of those kinds of things. But it starts with that connection with him. When Pastor Roberts 
started this series, The Blessed Life. Do you remember what the first sermon was? It was all about the heart. And we taught about that a lot. It's always about the heart, guys. What is our heart connected to? Are we connected to God? Do we really have an authentic relationship with him? Or are we just playing church? Are we just playing with God? Let's be serious. It's all about the heart. So let's continue to press in and really be serious about building our relationship with the Lord. It's not about religion. I'm not talking about jumping through a bunch of religious hoops. I'm talking about just having that authentic relationship with him where we're spending time with him, where we're taking time to hear his small, still voice speaking to our hearts. Ephesians 4.3 says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. That we're working together, that we're, as we prefer one another, that helps us connect to one another. It says, make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. We had some friends come into town, and they said, hey, we want to take you to the rodeo. And so we went to the rodeo. The artist there I was not really familiar with, but it was amazing how, how the people responded. Uh, it was it was almost like, uh, well, the word says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And these people were just like fleshly. I mean, just the lyrics to the songs, the way these people were dressed, the way they were acting. And uh, it was just such a stark contrast to me of walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. Walk in the flesh and you'll fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it was good for me to see that because it's such a stark contrast to what I see as we walk in the things of God. There were people, they were, it's almost like they were worshiping, but everything was so empty. The lyrics were empty. You know, all the dancers in these little bitty skimpy outfits, it was just so carnal so fleshly and what happens is we get caught up in those things and those things begin to fill us and feed us we need to stop and say wait no i want to walk in the things of the spirit i want to walk in the things that have value that really have value not just feed my flesh do you know that you can never satisfy your flesh it's never satisfied have you ever said well okay just one more time just one more time And then it becomes another time and another time and another time. You're like, well, wait a minute. I'm not going to do that anymore. And so I'm not talking about that we fight through these things on our own strength. That's why it's important that we are filled with the Spirit of God so that we can resist the enemy and the things of the flesh because our flesh has a natural affinity for for those things. But the Spirit will break those things off of us as we begin to walk in the things of God. It's like those hooks that are in us begin to relax and release and we can walk in the victory in those areas of of life where we're challenged. So listen, we all have struggles, we all have challenges, but we can walk in the fullness of life when we begin to, to turn and walk toward the Lord and we begin to submit our lives to him and yield our lives to him. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. I was thinking about Life Fellowship this week, and, and I was thinking about some of the things that I love. I love the spirit of excellence here. I love that. 
When you go back in children's ministry or, or wherever you go, you see that there's a spirit of excellence because we understand the heart of serving God, that we're doing this not because we're perfectionists, because we're not, but we're doing this with excellence because we want to represent Christ to those that are here, those of us that are already here and those that are coming. We want to present him with excellence. So everything that we do, we want to do to the best of our ability because we're honoring God. I love the spirit of excellence at Life Fellowship. You know, there are a lot of churches that are not excellent in things that they do, and I'm not here to judge them or condemn them, but I'm pleased with what I see here. And I see you guys working hard and doing things with excellence because we want to honor God. I love the authentic love and unity found here at Life Fellowship. I love that. And our first-time guests almost always comment about the warmth and friendliness of the people here. That it's not a fake kind of, oh, hi, how are you? Welcome, come on in. But it's a, an authentic love. Listen, guys, that's the kind of love that God has for us. That's the kind of love that changes the world. Because people don't want to see this plastic, fake stuff. They want to see some authenticity. They want to see people that really love one another and are yielded to God. There are no perfect people here, but we're all a work in progress. And as we yield our life to God and he begins to pour into us, I, I challenge you guys to pray that God will give you the kind of love that he has for you and that he has for others, that we would have that kind of love. That's the thing that changes the world. And I love that there's that authentic love here and unity. You know, the people that are here at Life Fellowship want to be here. They're glad to be here. And it shows. And so we come together and we fellowship and we have fun together and we're growing and we're learning. I love seeing us grow individually stronger, spiritually. And I, I look across this room and I see, I see us all growing spiritually. And that's exciting to me because I know the impact of that is certainly for us individually, but also it impacts our marriages, our families, our homes. It certainly impacts this church. It impacts our community. I love seeing marriages and families strengthened. I love seeing the corporate growth that's happening here. I really appreciate the overall spiritual health of Life Fellowship. I was talking with a church planner recently, and we were just talking about um, health in the church. And, and I, I really see Life Fellowship as a very healthy church. And uh, I would much rather have a small, healthy church than a huge, unhealthy church. And I see a lot of health here. I see a lot of balance. I see a lot of growth. I see the Word of God. I see you growing. I see you hungry for God. I see God working in your lives, transforming us. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, coming into alignment with God's Word, understanding what He wants to do in our hearts and our lives yielding to him, and we are the beneficiaries of that. We grow, but also we can walk in the fullness of life. Jesus said the thief has come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But he said, I've come what? That you may have abundant life, life in abundance. And there are so many people that are missing out. They're not living the abundant life that Christ has called us to. So I love the health and life fellowship. I love seeing God change our hearts to reflect his love and graciousness. It's the thing that I love the most. 
as we conclude this series on the blessed life, I wanted to, to emphasize the importance of men being involved in leading their families and leading a life fellowship. Healthy men promote healthy families. Healthy families promote healthy churches. We are the church. And we need to take our roles seriously, guys. It's not only for us, but, but how are we living? What, what are we exampling to the world around us? We have the hope of Christ. Are we sharing that with them? I want to encourage you, if, if you missed some of the Blessed Life series, go back online, lifefellowship.me, and listen to those. Even if you were here, you may want to go back and listen to them. That series was really, really impactful for us as a church. So if you've missed some of those, please go back. Living the blessed life begins with the Lord touching and changing our, our lives, yielding to God, allowing him greater access. And I love that, that I see you guys doing that, grabbing a hold of God and yielding to him, allowing him to bring alignment and, and a calibration, recalibration with his word, desiring his plans for our life. In Romans 12, 2, it says, what are God's plans are good and pleasing and perfect. That's his desire for you. His plan for you is good. His plan for you is perfect. His plan for you is pleasing. So let's choose to live a life that examples God's love, his grace, his, his forgiveness, having the fruit of the Spirit consistently in our life. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So are we allowing the fruit of the Spirit in our life, leading us and guiding us? Our giving and commitment are strong indicators of our spiritual maturity. Are you giving? Are you giving of your time, your talents, and your treasure? Are you serving God? We have a group of women that come up on Thursdays, and they're the special ops team. And Carol is leading that team, and uh, they come and clean, and they do. They spend, they have breakfast together, and then they spend time in worship. And I love that. I, sometimes I come in and they're worshiping, and I just enter right on into worship with them. And and they do special projects around around uh, our our home here, our church home. Um, but I'd like to see more men get involved. There are things there are, there are things that need to be done around here, and so we need to step up. But our giving and commitment are strong indicators of our spiritual maturity. And I don't know any mature believers that are not strong in giving and serving. As we serve the Lord, it helps us to grow. And I've, I've shared this before, that the things that we learn on our job help us in ministry, to do ministry. And the things that we learn in ministry help us in our jobs. Our lives are, are just one big container Right? We don't segregate necessarily work from church. Our life is our life. And so the things that we learn and as we serve in church, it helps us to grow. So I want to encourage you to, to continue to, to be involved. I mean, we have so many opportunities. We're birthing the video ministry, and we have so many things going on. We need your help. And so I want to encourage you to get involved. Also, regarding the blessed life, I think the, through the month of February was the largest regular tithes and offerings given to date. Life fellowship. Wow. Yeah. Amen. Give yourselves a hand and clap. It was, uh, <clears throat> we've really seen a spike in giving, and, and I want to thank you for that. And although I'm glad for the substantial increase financially, I'm most excited about the changes in your heart because our giving 
is a direct reflection of our heart. And remember, Pastor Robert Morris talked about there are three levels of giving. There's the tithes, there's the offerings, and then there's the painful offerings, I think is what he called it. And he said that most people never reach that third level because they never, they never get to the first level of returning the 10% that belongs to God back to him. And his word says that when you do that, I will bless. I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so much that you can't contain it. When we give, when we return back to him the 10% that belongs to him, he blesses the 90%. And as we begin to understand that concept and we begin not only to return what belongs to him, but be give above and beyond that, God continues to open up the blessings. And then as we give those, those extravagant gifts, then we see God's hand even more. And, and so Christine and I have shared with you, we've always been givers and we're, we're giving more extravagantly. And I love it. It's so exciting to say, God, what do you want me to do with this? This is an extra blessing. This is some extra money we have. What do you want us to do with this? And then we just obey. And God is doing amazing things. He's pouring into our lives. He's, it, it begins really with our heart. When we understand that we're giving not to get, which is so, it's taught in so many churches, it's so wrong, give to get. We're giving to reflect the heart of God. We're giving to obey the Lord. And he blesses back. And I know some of you are experiencing that. And I know that Christine and I are experiencing that personally. And it's wonderful. So I'm so pleased that there's a heart change. There's a shift in our lives in going through that series. So I, I know that uh, there are some people here that, that have begun to tithe, begin to return the first 10%. There's some people that have started giving offerings. And there's some that have uh, started giving the extravagant gifts and offerings. More importantly, as I said, I, I love seeing the transformation of your hearts. Listen, guys, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. And as we yield our life to him and allow him greater access, he will do amazing things to our lives. And he will use our money to do amazing things, to impact the world around us. Reflecting the generosity of our heavenly father is what, what we should be doing. And we have a heavenly father that loves us that doesn't withhold anything from us. So I started off with the question, how can we live the blessed life? The answer is by following biblical truths and principles. Simply put, to obey. Deuteronomy 30, 20. Moses is, is telling the children of Israel as they're about to enter in the promised land, the key to your life is to remember what it is, love God, obey God, and commit firmly to him. Love God, obey God, and commit to him. That's the key to our life. So are we doing that? You must start to live the blessed life by being connected to him. Maybe you're here this morning and uh, God is speaking to your heart right now. Maybe you had a connection with him, but you've walked away. Maybe you never had a, a relationship with the Lord. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. Anybody here this morning? There's no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building and not receive all that he has for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love for us. I thank you for the richness of your love and, and the relationship that we can have with you. And Father, I pray this morning that you would continue to download into us, that you would con continue to speak to our hearts.
Father, that you would continue to transform our hearts to be soft and pliable and full of your love. That not only would we talk about love, but we would demonstrate love, that love is a verb, it's an action word, that we would take action, that we would prefer others, and that we would truly, truly love one another and truly love those who are, are lost and don't have a relationship with you, that we would be kind and gentle and patient and reach out to them and share the hope and the love of Christ with them. Father, I thank you for this wonderful, wonderful church. I thank you for the awesome things that you're doing in our lives individually and corporately and pray that you would continue to move us forward into your will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the abundant blessings and we pray that as we go from this place this morning, that you would continue to pour into us, that you would show us the doors that you're opening for us to share the love of Christ and that others would see your great love flowing through our lives, that you would continue this work that you've begun in us. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege and honor to serve you. We thank you for the abundant blessings and we thank you that we can walk in the blessed life through what Christ has done on the cross for us and if we just simply obey. So Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you and we pray with great expectation that you will continue to do great things in our lives. In Jesus' name, we plan to see you on Wednesday. You're dismissed. Go out and live it.